Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you. I'm glad you could join us today to make your way in. Morning, good morning. Praise the Lord for another beautiful day. Uh, Just trust that you've been able to spend some time outside and enjoy the beautiful weather. But uh, it is good to be in this place this morning because we have the great privilege of being able to worship the Lord together. And that's a special thing when we get to do that. Uh, in this place together. And so we're going to worship God through music in just a moment, and of course through the hearing uh, and reading of his word. We're going to worship our God through the time of prayer and through fellowship, and so uh, many different ways to worship God. But, you know, I I just uh, am often reminded as we look through Scripture that that is why God has created us, really ultimately, is that we would bring worship to him. And so if that is the the true reason for and purpose for our being, then it is good to practice that and to do that here because we will be doing that for all of eternity and we look forward to that. And so uh, this morning, we get just a taste of that. Uh, And so I'd like to uh, begin our time together and our call to worship by reading uh, from uh, the Psalms and then a reading from the New Testament as well. So first, from the Old Testament, a reading 
from a portion of Psalm 24. It says this, it says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Now a reading from the New Testament, from Romans chapter 8. What shall we say then to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things pre present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We say amen to that. Why don't we stand together and pray? Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you together. God, your word reminds us that you are the king of glory who comes in. Lord, we know that you are here with us in our hearts. We thank you that you are in our midst this morning, our great king of glory. And we thank you for those tremendous words that nothing Nothing can separate us from you, Father God, since we are held firm in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that nothing that the enemy can send our way, nothing that this world can, has to offer, nothing, no stress, no troubles, no trials, nothing can separate us from you and your love. We give you thanks for that, Lord. And so now as we praise you with our lips and lift our holy hands and lift our voices and join our hearts together in song. We say, God, this is for you, for you alone are worthy, for these truths that we read and for so much more. You deserve it all. So God, this time is for you. We honor you now, Lord God. And we do so through the leading and power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, let's worship the Lord together. He who was before there was light 
Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold him He who heard humanity's cry Left his throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah The Lamb, the roaring light Oh, be still and behold him He who dined with sinners and saints the blind, the lost in the lane, even now he is in our midst, behold him, he who chose a criminal's end, pay with blood to settle our debt. Is the Lord God Almighty? 
count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out And yes, I Grace 
He is good and worthy to be praised, right? Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you. make our way back to our seats and uh, we praise God for a uh, good fellowship good time together thank you Lord and I uh, just want to um, just mention a few things that are going on here in Trinity uh, and some things to look forward to just to kind of get caught up uh, that we call this our church life updates and so remember you can always go to our website trinityallenwood.com we always try to have that updated and so any kind of information you're looking for about the church, especially if you're visiting with us for the first time today or if you've joined us online, we say welcome. Remember that you could always uh, check us out online, trinityallenwood.com, and right on the front page it says watch live. So if you're not able to make it here in person, you can do that as well. Um, get all the information, so this stuff that I'll mention and, uh, and uh, many other announcements as well. And so, of course, we... Um, I always like to, to begin by remembering these three words, learn, grow, and serve. It's uh, important to us. It's part of our core values that we learn the truth and grow in faith and serve others. It's how we pursue being disciples of Jesus Christ. 
a few things that are coming up. We have next Sunday, the first Sunday of June already, and it is our fellowship lunch. It's our barbecue, like I just try to remind everybody so they don't get nervous. That's not all that we're having. It's not just salad, but we actually have our barbecues, and uh, so during the warmer weather, we love to do that, and so the church provides the hamburgers and hot dogs and the drinks and desserts, so we just ask if you can, just bring a side dish that goes along with that. Some of you would enjoy the barbecue, and so that will be next Sunday, and so uh, just remind you of that. Of course, we also, on the first Sunday of the month, have communion, so we end our worship service around the Lord's table with communion, remembering his sacrifice, and then we continue our time of remembrance with also a time of celebration around the table during our fellowship lunch. And it's, it's a part of what the ancient church used to do. They had their big agape feast very often together, and part of that time they would always set aside to remember and to reflect on uh, the Lord's sacrifice on their behalf so that they could have life and enjoy that life that he gave us so abundantly. And so that's why we like to do that together on the first Sunday of the month. And so we have uh, our lunch, but of course also our communion. Remember that uh, if you would like to be part of our prayer um, uh, ministry, that you can sign up for that. Just simply send an email to prayer at trinityallenwood.com and we'll have your email and then you'll get uh, all of the prayer requests that come through so we can keep praying for one another so important that we remain a church that is praying and praying for each other and the people in our lives, our communities, and the world around us. But you sign up for this, and uh, you'll be able to get all those prayer requests and, of course, the wonderful updates about how prayers are answered. Okay, and so please make use of that. And uh, the best way to stay connected and get the most updated information on a timely matter is to sign up for this. So you simply uh, just text that, text that one word, join Trinity. To that number, 84576, it's a couple of clicks and you'll be signed up. So if you haven't done that already, I encourage you to do that. This information is on our website as well. But this way, if things come up last minute or have to change or just as great reminders, you'll get that on your text and have it there. And so uh, remember to, to do that as well. Uh, also, many of you, actually, we, we were able to uh, to give out all of the bottles a couple of weeks ago. We we uh, mentioned this, that for Open Door Pregnancy Center in Tom's River, that we are participating in their annual uh, fundraising campaign, right? The Baby Bottle Boomerang campaign. And uh, so thank you for everybody that took the bottles. We were able to, to, uh, to dispense all of them. And so remember to keep filling them with change and dollar bills and, um, and fives and tens and hundreds and all that, right? So stuff them on in there. And bring them back on Father's Day. That's what we're asking. So it's from Mother's Day to Father's Day. Uh, and so bring those back on Father's Day. So you still have a few more weeks. But just a great reminder to do that. All right. And uh, also, as we mentioned last week, and you got an email about this as well, but this is a new event. We have a seminar coming up on Sunday, June 11th. So in just a, a few weeks. And so it will be that Sunday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. right here at Trinity. Uh, understanding the Orthodox Jewish community. So we have an expert that will come in and be able to share with us for those three hours in two sessions. So the first part of that afternoon seminar will be um, giving us some background and, and valuable insights into the, um, the Orthodox Jewish communities in Lakewood and Brooklyn and areas around us and uh, what their customs are, their beliefs, 
traditions and uh, just to give us a really great background and things that I'm sure many of us have wondered about but never asked or found out. And so especially like we are uniquely positioned here at Trinity to understand and learn these things because we have a great mission field right next door, don't we? But it's a, a very difficult mission field to embrace and uh, to navigate, and so all the more reason that we uh, offer something like this. So the first part of that seminar will be to learn a lot of the background, and then the second part will be providing valuable tools and practical tools that we can use on how to engage our friends in uh, Lakewood especially. And so things to say, things not to say, how to bring up Jesus and how to talk about your faith. And um, it's, uh, it's important because, you know, um, whenever a missionary goes to a mission field, and we support missionaries here at Trinity, you know, they have to take time to learn a language usually and to learn the culture and the traditions and the customs so that they can then um, begin to share the gospel, right, and talk about Jesus and their faith. And so it's really no different. And so we want to be able to learn more about the Orthodox Jewish communities and how we can uh, better bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people in need. And so that is going to happen on Sunday, June 11th from 2 to 5. Put that on your calendars. And the last thing about it is we simply ask that you would register. This is for believers. So invite your brothers and sisters in Christ and this church and churches in the area that you know, people that would really benefit from it. So spread the word to fellow believers and let them know that they can just simply go to our website and register. It's free, but all the information's there. We just simply register so we can have a list of names and who to expect, okay? So that is on Sunday, June 11th. And then um, we also have, starting next Sunday, well, our new sermon series. So we did First Peter and Second Peter, taking a couple weeks off uh, and uh, doing some special messages like today as we talk about the power of our testimonies. But next Sunday, we begin a study and a journey through the Gospel of Matthew, and it is simply called King and Kingdom. And we will see the amazing theme of the kingdom of God and Jesus as king woven all throughout Matthew's gospel. And so you remember all the gospels we have, the four gospels, look at the life and ministry of Jesus from different perspectives and angles. And so Matthew, of course, is one of those. And so we will see king and kingdom woven throughout his gospel. So that begins next Sunday, uh, and uh, that is um, on June 11th. And uh, finally, um, of course, we would be remiss if we did not take a moment to uh, remember and reflect that uh, tomorrow is Memorial Day. And so this is Memorial Day weekend, and especially here at the Jersey Shore, we often think about it as the beginning of the summer season as we see the crowds roll in and the traffic and we are reminded that we need to uh, to you know be people of patience and kindness right and uh, and am I right yes right right and uh, uh, we thank God for all the people that are descending down here to this area and so However, of course, yes, it's the traditional sort of start of the summer season, but it is Memorial Day. And so more importantly, it is a time that has been set aside for decades in this country to remember our fallen heroes, those uh, men and women who have gone before us. 
to serve our country heroically and have given the ultimate sacrifice and paid the ultimate price with their lives. And so that is what Memorial Day simply is. And so I would like to pray and just ask that out of reverence to God and honor for our fallen women and men in military that you just pray silently along with me and then we'll just, after the prayer, have a moment of silence as we remember and reflect of the importance of this day and what it means to us not only as citizens of this country, but even more importantly in our frame of reference as Christians and the understanding we have about freedom. Amen? So let's pray together. A greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Sovereign Lord, Holy Father, as we seek and follow you each and every day, we pray your hand of blessing on our nation, all those in authority over us, but especially today, our military and their families. We lift up all the family and friends of our fallen men and women in uniform. We pray your peace will guard them and guide them, and that your peace would give them hope. Help them remember the sacrifices of their loved ones, not only with sorrow, but with tears of pride and tears of understanding knowing their loved ones did not die in vain, but helped secure our liberties for another generation. So we say thank you, Father, for the freedoms that we have in this country, but help us always to remember, as we do this day, the cost of that freedom. As sons and daughters of yours, we are keenly aware of the cost of freedom. So let us never forget the bravery of the women and the men who have gone before us, serving with honor and courage, giving the greatest of all sacrifices. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Let us just um, observe a moment of silence as we remember and reflect. Today, we, um, we have as our theme, the power of testimony. And we all have a story to tell. We all have a story in Jesus Christ that we are to share with others. And this morning, we welcome a special guest. We often uh, will talk about the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. They are one of our missionary partners that we support, not only financially, but more importantly, through prayer and through uh, serving opportunities. But today, we get the special uh, privilege of being able to hear uh, a powerful testimony, a personal testimony of God's reconciliation and redemptive power from uh, someone who is um, 
intricately connected to the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. And so right now, I would like you to help me welcome Ian Witter, who is uh, from the Rescue Mission and wants to take some time to share his story of faith with you. So please just put our hands together and let's welcome him. Come on up. First of all, <clears throat> for welcoming me. Kind of always. Really appreciate it. I feel all the warm, smiling face. Um. Pretty much thing I'll answer to graduate. Um, And classes, my father kind of like a so kind of very much. I understand. Anyway, up graduating, moved out, and then kind of athletics, sports was something that just natural to me. I kind of gravitated, and there was this sport that back in 19 started to emerge actually in the uh, I gravitated to that, and then that kind of became the center piece of my life. You know, I would have to be dedicated, edited. So I, uh, I moved into a house with fighters, and we kind of had what they called, uh, you know, we called, used to call the fighter house. And you'd have people come in from different schools and this and that, and they would. 24-hour, you know, nonstop training every day. 
and uh, which was the price you had to pay. Um, it was great. And God wasn't really and prevalent in my life, guiding me, more of a survival. What I knew. So time went on, there was a YMCA in Captain Group uh, that sponsored our team. And uh, training there all the time. And then one of my teammates was uh, the director. Like, hey, you know, you're here all the time training. Why training? I accepted program at that time was kind of adolescent. So YMCA was willing to uh, kind of get all these crazy certifications. Biometrics, proprioception, therapy, all this type of stuff. Calisthenics, hypertrophy. I was just started mindset of Area, you know, Basking Ridge, Burnersville, Far Hills, uh, Mendham, it's pretty fluent area. I started to train kind of like a prominent uh, political and towns, and well, that's everybody was all her girlfriends were, oh my gosh, you know, that. And next thing I know, you know, everybody's trying to session with me and my census clientele wise, you know, I had like a waiting list and things really took off. So there was this kind of whirlwind happened in my life where I was training, you know, probably 14, 15 people a day. Uh, kind of started my own training business so in homes now. Um, kind of went even further and I started um, Training a lot of people, children start traveling, jump on private jet, go here and train. Horse show for their hunters and jumpers, hop on a plane, fly back, uh, probably sleep in the parking lot at the YMCA, wake up, train from 5 a.m. to a closing, you know, and then. Uh, Know, get up, sleep from there, go to the next, uh, you know, concierge training session. Then I would train myself. I was probably sleeping maybe five, four or five hours a night, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the candle that burns twice bright burns. Lifestyle kind of started to take its, no matter how much working out and training, like a, Kind of like a sheet where anytime I felt stress or anxiety, I could go and I could, I knew how to train people. But without, you know, like stewardship, you know, a background, uh, actually avoiding personal. 
go there, train and work it out of myself. Lifestyle, lack of sleep, all this kind of thing started to end me into this, um, you know, when I was hanging out and going to this after party and this kind of thing, start drinking, you know, and I started to more to kind of, uh, I almost found that alcohol had this effect on me where kind of desensitize me out of thing. Um, you know, so I could I could almost use it in a way to work harder, which is strange, but um, you know, and as time went on I kept kind of imbibing with that and just started to drink more and drink more. And it became this kind of frenzy that spiraled out of control. I a young woman, got married. My, on my family side, uh, my mother is a Thompson. Firewater. Very well. Well, she was Irish. So you can imagine, you know, Guinness is pouring out of the ceiling and Jameson, all this stuff. So that lasts about five minutes. And um, before I knew it, uh, you know, now I've plummeted. You know, the life is spiraling out of control. I can't get up to go train clients. Uh, body is starting to started to not recognize physical damage that I was doing. Kind of taking place. Because the human body runs on food, blood, air, it's run on essence. And I was the kind of drinker where there was, you know, you have the binge drinker, as they call it, that, you know, the weekend warrior sucks it all down in a weekend and then recovers the next day and they can, you know, quote unquote, be functional, functional drinker. Uh, that wasn't me. I was the kind of, what if I just maintain the buzz all? So I would, I don't know if that's a, I was a sipper, and I would just sip, 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 kind of keep myself sort of, you know, desensitized state for the moment. Um, there for a piece function, alcohol, especially if you're using that, running off it all the time. It just, you know, Things that I was ordinarily able to, uh, yeah, I was the functional drinker, whatever, for a period of time, but you're not. And everything spiraled down. Now I'm, family's looking at me cross-eyed when I'm hanging out with them. All of a sudden, like, what's wrong with I in? Uh, I can't get clients. I'm the elephant in the room. Pretty much all the time, they would come to my apartment. I got bottles everywhere, hidden. I don't want them really to see. You know, so there was this air of, you know, I, I didn't trust anybody. Um, it just, you know, really kind of fell apart. Got down to the point where I was kind of spinning out of control. Of, um, you weren't a part of my lifestyle, you know, and the problem with me. So I found myself. Locked myself in my apartment, 
Um, come by and knock on the door. I ain't answering. Um, got to the point where I got tired of people behind me. So before I came to the bar, I talked on purpose. And I would wake up and there would be bottles of just crying of alcohol. Half time, completely finished. And didn't realize it, but the phone turned off. Fortunately, I had a guy, uh, my sister-in-law, her father, board member, my mom and him were very close, kind of, At the uh, at that I mean, for remember May, I could put up. I remember I started breaking out hives. When I say I broke out hives, anybody ever sees? Yeah, in that 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 part where well, that was me. You could talk to me five seconds. And I turned around, and I'm like, my lips are like this big. I mean, it was, it was really bad. And uh, so I get there at the Park Street Mission, like this. Uh, I didn't care. Um, no, I just wanted to sleep in bed. So I didn't really think about, you know, I guessed him to death. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, life change program. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Um, I walked in. Very, you know, I was weak. There, there wasn't any of that. Just real people, people that I could relate to, actually, quite, and uh, had been through things similar. Version in their DOC, but um, you know had other things and problems or whatever that, but we could kind of share together. They, the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, they had a platform for us. We could have AA meetings, chapel services, uh, you know, devotions in the morning. And this kind of brought up a lot of questions, actually answered a lot of questions. So for me, it didn't. I'll get right to the meat of this. I remember there was one day I woke up. This was like two, and I'd gone through all these things, brothers, and um, I woke up and I had medications stopped. Lives from breaking. I just grabbed everything, threw it away. I don't know why, but I'm like, well, unbelievable. I don't know what's happening. But 
time has gone past, so much time, um, I don't know, I just felt transformed, you know? Uh, I can describe it and explain it because uh, since that time, uh, there's, you know, they say once you have an addiction, always an addict and what I can say in front of everybody, I've not had a crate that won't change or anything like that, but it's been four years to the point where I'm no longer sitting here waiting for it. I'm just like, it's not coming. So, um, yeah, it's been that long. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It'll be four years by 15. Gone the other way, where I've just been stronger and stronger and stronger in not trying to. And I, you know, for anybody that I don't look at alcohol as like this. You know, I know people have wine with dinner at night perfectly. That's that's great. But for me, from my experience, I don't associate alcohol with anything good in my life anymore. So that's, you know, kind of the transformation. thought that that meant I can come home earlier I won't uh, do some now put some I don't need a couple dollars for Red Cross or something at Walmart I don't, I don't he, you know I didn't think it was God can actually really transform you to the point where not the people that I was in the program with, but the people that knew me after I graduated the program, my family members, friends. They were like, you're unrecognizable. You don't speak the same. You don't act the same. Your interests and things are not geared towards you. You have this grace worth it thing that I don't understand. Um, and whatever that was, uh, and it's turned out to serve as this, witness of our Christ that that transformation not just doing things a little bit like a rebirth point where uh, now you're standing here like I'm telling someone else that I don't I don't know who that was but that wasn't that's not who I am now uh, so it's, it's that far away. Uh, I this I, um, Elizabeth and Thomas. Um, All the time, God can. Thank you all so much for having me, and God bless.
um, please make sure uh, when we're done in a little while that before you leave, that you take a moment to introduce yourself to Ian and uh, just thank him personally for sharing his uh, story, his testimony. And um, uh, so Ian, don't think that you can leave right away because we some people that are going to want to talk to you and just thank you. But anyway, thanks again. Thank you so much. Um, for the rest of our time together this morning, I want to share a story uh, with you from the scriptures about what you just heard. Because there is power in your personal testimony, in your story. Now, Ian's story is his and his alone. You may have heard similar testimonies, but none of them are like his because God knows him and knows him individually and knows what he needed and when he needed it and continues to do so. And if you noticed in his, um, in his sharing, in his story, there were other people that God used in his life to, uh, to help bring him and guide him to where he is today. And of course, most importantly, to bring him to the Lord. And so as you hear this story that I'm about to tell you from the scriptures, consider what you just heard. So consider it in context of Ion's story and of your story in your connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'd like to read this story for you and then briefly just uh, unpack a few things from this that I want to make sure that we don't miss before we leave today. From John chapter 9, listen to this story. So as Jesus walked by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who was the sinner? This man or his parents that he would be born blind? So Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So while I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. So when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spit and applied it to the eyes of the blind man. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated tent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. And they said to him, where is he? He says, I don't know. So they brought to the Pharisees this man who was formerly blind. 
Now, it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight, and he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it of him, that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. And who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So a second time, they called the man who had been the blind beggar and said to him, give glory to God, but we know this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. The story of the blind beggar. Here was a man who scripture tells us was born blind. But see, the disciples didn't quite understand what that meant because during that day, something like that, a condition like that was attributed to sin. And so the disciples, being ignorant of all that, asked Jesus, so whose fault is it that this guy was born blind? Was it him, did he sin, literally meaning did he sin in the womb, like did he sin so that he was then born blind, or was it his parents, which one? And Jesus said neither. But it was for the glory of God. I mean, there's a whole sermon right in there. But Jesus says it was God who allowed it, but it was for his glory, and so that would have blown their minds right there. You mean that it wasn't because of a personal specific sin that he was blind, that he was actually just born this way. And so there begins the story. But I need to give a little context first to make sure we always read scripture in context, because this was uh, in John chapter 9 that I read, John chapter 9, 1 to 25. But see, what Jesus said in John chapter 8 has great significance on this testimony of redemption and reconciliation, because in John chapter 8, Jesus said these words. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. See, what happened was, right before Jesus heals the blind beggar, he declared that he is the light of the world, and that anyone that follows him is no longer in darkness, but in light. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He now heals the blind beggar as a testimony in and of itself to show what it is that he had just said about himself. 
The prophets in the Old Testament had predicted that the Messiah would overcome darkness. In Isaiah 9-2, it says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. That he would heal the blind, it also says, Isaiah 42, 7, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Do you see what's happening? Jesus had said he is the light of the world, and now he is healing a blind man who has lived in darkness since he was born. In fact, when Jesus started his earthly ministry, he reads from Isaiah these very words. So in Luke 4, it says this, and he came to Nazareth. Again, this is just as Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry. See the theme here, where Jesus had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah, which I was just reading from, was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found a place where it was written. And then he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. Listen to what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus came to bring sight to the blind. But of course, Jesus also did this to heal this blind man, to teach a lesson, to show that Jesus had come to heal spiritual blindness. See that? As he is now the light of the world, he said, those who were once in darkness would now see a great light, as it said in Isaiah. So Jesus, in our passage for today in John 9, had just recently said he was the light of the world, that he would open people's eyes. He literally did that. But of course, we know the deeper meaning is spiritual. He healed the blind man. Physically, he actually healed him to show all that Jesus had come to bring sight. The whole reason for his healings and miracles to show his mercy, love, and grace that he offered on the spiritual level. And to show that he was the Messiah, the one who would bring sight to the spiritually blind, rescue from the darkness. I want to just quickly just um, look through this, the progression of this story to highlight a few things before we close out our time together. So this man was born blind, because we are all born spiritually blind, the scriptures teach us. We are not separated from God because of specific sin or habitual sin that we commit. We are born separated from God because of our sinful nature. So we sin by nature and by choice. So it's no coincidence, of course, that Jesus chose this man who was born blind to heal, like original sin. And Jesus uses these words day and night. He says we need to do these things now while it is daytime, meaning while he is here, because he brings light to the world, 
before the darkness tries to come back in. So he used a salve, he spit in the dirt to create like a mud, like a clay, and put it on the blind beggar's eyes. Now, did Jesus need to actually use this clay to heal him? No, he didn't. He could have just spoken it. He could have just allowed it and made it happen. But he chose, we don't know why, probably for the blind man's benefit, for his faith, to actually use something. But again, Jesus was a teacher, was he not? And he taught them and showed them. It was symbolic in that sense. And so he put this salve on his eyes and said, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. And you will see. And so the men, the man did that. And there was this very famous place. We have, it has been uncovered. We know where it is in the southern part, south, southeastern part of the city of Jerusalem, a pool of Siloam. And it was very famous. It was created by King Hezekiah. Uh, back in the Old Testament, read about that, to bring water into the city of Jerusalem. But it was also a place known for cleansing. And so Jesus sends the blind man there and says, go and wash it off in the pool of Siloam. Now, our text says this, don't miss this, that the word Siloam, the name for this, this pool, means scent. Kind of a weird name for a pool of water, right? But think about what's happening here. None of this, of course, is ever lost on Jesus, the great teacher. He sends the blind man to the pool called Sent. Why? Because he is the sent one. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one whom God the Father sent to the people. Jesus, again, was showing, I am the light of the world. He is presenting himself to his people as king, as savior, as Messiah. And in a way, he is building that case, see? So he says, I'm light of the world. And then he heals a man born blind and says, go wash it off in this pool called tent. The people would have known the symbolism there. So the blind beggar was healed but then you noticed, as I read the story, that people started to question it. Have people ever questioned you and your faith in Jesus Christ? We heard a little earlier in Ion's story, people would question, who is this man? They asked the same question of the blind man. Who is this? Some people said he's different. He looks like him, but he's somebody else. And others said, no, this couldn't be him. And others said, no, this is him, but somehow he's now healed and he can see how could this possibly be the power of your testimony is in that changed heart and then that changed life that people will see and say there is something different about you what are they seeing church they are seeing jesus they're seeing the peace and the hope that you now have that you didn't have before so the people keep keep asking him and the the, the Jewish leaders keep asking him over and over. He said, yes, I am he. He gives testimony of himself. Yes, this is what Jesus did for me. It says, <clears throat> he kept saying, I am the one. Can you picture that? They kept questioning. He's like, no, it's me. It's me. Yes, I am the one. He has transformed me. <clears throat> so the Jewish leaders still couldn't believe it. So they said, let's get his parents in here. So they asked his parents, and they confirmed, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind, 
But they said, we have no idea how he can now see, and we don't know who's responsible for that, but just ask him. He's old enough. You can ask him. See, because, side note, they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid they would get kicked out of the synagogue. Because you get kicked out of the synagogue, you get kicked out of the community. You basically have no life anymore. That's the way they saw it. So they were kind of playing it, you know, safe. But they said, yes, we're confirming this, but we don't know how this happened. But ask him. So again, they asked him. And they tried to convince him. They said, well, give glory to God that you're healed but not to this man, because this guy, Jesus, is a sinner. And they said he was a sinner. He, this couldn't be a real miracle. Let me just mention this, church. If nothing else, remember, your salvation, your new life in Christ is a miracle. It's a miracle. Because it is only of God, and it is only by the grace of God that we are saved. It is a true miracle, and people will not believe it, just as the Jewish leaders and his neighbors could not believe it. So it says in verse 24 of our passage, so a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, so give glory to God, but we know this man is a sinner. And here's how we end. Let us just focus on the very last verse of our passage, John 9, verse 25. Here is the man's answer. After all this, the back and forth, the questioning, the Jewish leaders bringing it back, his parents and all that. Here's his response to the leaders. They said, go ahead and glorify God, but not this man because he's a sinner. And the, the beggar who is now can see says, whether Jesus is a sinner, I don't know. But there's one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see the power of testimony. You see how simple his testimony was? If you keep reading, and I encourage you to do so, you keep reading, you'll see he didn't even truly understand who Jesus was yet. At the end of that passage, in verse around 35 or 36, Jesus comes back to the man. He knows he's struggling with it because people keep questioning him. And he says, do you believe? And the man says, yes. I believe. The power of testimony. Sometimes we get in our head, don't we, that we have to have some kind of really special, like powerful testimony, right? That, that people aren't going to want to hear what we have to say and, and how God changed our lives, but nothing could be further from the truth. So I started to say earlier that God has a unique place for each of us in his story. We have a story to tell. We are to tell our story and to tell his story. We share the gospel of grace and how it changed us. And our testimony can be as simple yet as powerful as I once was blind, but now I see. That's the testimony of this blind beggar. And no one can take away what Jesus did in your life. It doesn't matter who you meet. It doesn't matter how important or intelligent the people are that you come across or how much money they have or how much influence they have. You can simply say the most powerful thing, once I was blind, but now I can see. That is the truth of the gospel. See, in the gospel, there's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is that spiritually we are blind. All of us were born that way separated from God, living in darkness. 
The bad news also is that we cannot heal ourselves. But the good news is that God did the healing for us. He offers that healing just as Jesus made the salve and put it on the man and later on says, do you believe? And he answers, yes, I believe. Jesus did all the work. He's the one that made that salve to put on his eyes. So the question to all of us then is, do we believe? We are to tell our stories and in the process, tell that story, the story. At the end of that, all we hear, we hear really nothing else about this beggar who used to be blind. He has this great interaction with Jesus, and Jesus says, I am the one who healed you. Do you believe? And he said, yes, I believe. Would you stand with me? I want to close by reading from the first chapter of Romans. Paul is one who has a powerful testimony, like we all do. And the Apostle Paul took every opportunity that he could to share that story with others. Talk about a changed life. Here are the words, some of the opening words of Paul's letter to the Romans. He says this, and let this be our closing word from God this morning. For I am not ashamed of the gospel For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for healing our spiritual blindness through the light of the world, Jesus Christ, your very Son, our very Savior. Father, I thank you for Ian's testimony, for your power in his life. Thank you for drawing him, using others to bring him to you. Thank you for using the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. Thank you, God, for healing him. Father, thank you for his boldness and his courage to share that story with us this morning. God, may none of it be lost on any of us. And God, may we be empowered and encouraged by his testimony and by the testimony of the once blind beggar that we can go and tell others and show the other beggars where to find the bread. God, that we may simply and profoundly proclaim that we were once blind, but now we see. And to that, God, we say hallelujah, and we say thank you, and may we leave here now proclaiming that story, our testimony, however it is, God, that you have drawn us to yourself and reconciled us to yourself through Jesus. God, may we tell our individual testimonies and stories we don't know who you want to use, Lord God, and who you're going to call. But Lord, give us the strength and the courage and the power to do that. And in so doing, as we share our story, may we share your story, the story of the gospel, the good news that, the good news that Jesus come, came to seek and to save the lost. 
Father, we praise you. We ask that now through your spirit, you would go before us and prepare the way. Give us eyes to see. And Lord God, through it all, we'll be praising you. And we'll do so in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We praise God. Take a moment to say good morning to Ion and to others before you leave here today.